The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. podcast i am your host and i have screwed it up again but i guess i am the wolf and i also have a few other spectacular individuals with me per usual on the show one of them is the bull wow works every time it's, i am here we've got to find present. a better gotta find a better logo. i am present i am past and i am future yeah i just said we have to find a better uh, scrooge so we have to find a better logo, and uh, that's me projecting the things that I need to do. Um, so yeah, that's a weird thing for me to have a Freudian slip over. Uh, and then we be, we could be like football and just wear different uniforms, change the names for no reason. Uh, and then we also have uh, Beowulf, the third guest, perpetual guest, so the third host in the show. Again, another Freudian that's slip. Me. me, full of Freudian slips today. Um, it's all good. And welcome to episode 67. Uh, yeah, just before we jump into the episode, just a reminder for our listeners, our viewers, for anyone tuning in, if you're tuning in by letter, uh, just go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram. If you like some of our content, go ahead and give us a subscription on YouTube. We have episodes every week. I believe YouTube episodes are coming out normally on Fridays, and then the audio versions of this episode are norm or episodes will be on Thursdays. Uh, five-star review on Spotify or any major listening platform would be much appreciated. But yeah, I think that's everything. Did well I cover said. everything? Well said. Yes. Mm. Well put. Mm-hmm. Got to streamline this. The, the intros are just... It's I okay. Think great. It's chaotic. There's a call to action it, it, there. Exactly. Subscribe, people. If people leave a good review, people need calls to action. They Indeed. need to feel engaged. Yeah. And you make them feel engaged. Oh, you're thank a you. kind, friendly wolf. Mm. Yeah. You're That'd you're the nice. wolf that came to the door dressed as oh no, didn't come grandma. to the door. She was, you're the wolf that was already in bed as grandma. I identified as a grandma. I was identifying well, before my time. You were kind of full and trying to take a nap because you're already eating grandma, apparently. Yeah. This is an odd soft. Soft meat. <laughs> what the? <laughs> this is well, very strange. My, what large dentures you have, Grandma. Yeah, right? Uh, so how's everybody doing? Uh, this is a very strange <laughs> intro uh, to this episode. Um, our, uh, my co-host, Bull, who loves dentures. Uh, <laughs> how is your week going? What does going? that mean? I don't know. I got my chompers. Yeah, how's your week my going? My chompers and my hones. What is, I have no what idea is, what accent that is. is we're never giving you coffee Chompa, again. Chompa, coffee is Chompa. the new. You know what? There's nothing better. My drug of choice right here. Coffee in, specifically? In a, or yes, caffeine? In a Yosemite. Yosemite? Yosemite. Are you joking? Know, yes, oh, I'm my joking. gosh. Of course you, I'm joking. You concerned me for a wow. second there. Wow, I got gotcha. you. You did. I don't even have to say any dad jokes today. Yosemite cup. Wait, so is coffee your, your choice or is it caffeine in general? Like, could Did you I just slug back in it? 
No, Would you I, just slug back an energy drink and call what? it a day? I, I remember the very first time I ever had coffee beans. I think they were chocolate covered coffee beans, mm. but just by themselves, they were wonderful. Yeah. And I was like, why do we brew these up? Why don't we just crunch them down? It's well, You got to dip them in chocolate first. That's when they're really good. Yeah. Chocolate covered coffee beans. Oh, they were awesome. I had them in, I don't know, probably Hawaii or something like yeah. that. It was were awesome so strange chocolate covered coffee bean <laughs> stories aside uh beowulf how are you good everything's great and in uh, beowulf land oh yes yeah. it's great we have the irish music playing at all times okay yeah no it's good i uh i like i was just saying before we turned all the recording equipment on i was looking forward to making dinner yeah so wow <laughs> that's the most exciting thing this is intriguing going on fascinating yes. fascinating I had to, we're I just had gonna to make be. chocolate covered coffee beans for dinner wow that's it <laughs> well, <laughs> this is so chaotic <laughs> This is chaotic. You'd be having breakfast at like three in the morning because you'd still be up. I don't know. I'm rather neutral about the subject. Well, I think I'm going to jump into the monologue Mm. Uh, again. I have uh, once again. So again, I have once again outdone myself every week. I just keep getting better, faster, stronger. Kanye. Um, I truly believe that this topic today will be an interesting one. So. Baltimore prosecutors have dropped charges against Adnan Saeed, a Muslim American man who was wrongly convicted of murdering his ex-girlfriend, Heyman Lee, in 1999. Now, Beowulf and I closely followed his story when the Serial podcast covered it in 2014, and it's definitely interesting to see a silver lining to an obviously tragic series of events. Hopefully, we find out who took Heyman Lee's life. This brings me to the topic of sides. Whether it's Adnan Saeed, Tiger King, or Stephen Avery from Making a Murderer, there has been a recent uptick, if you haven't noticed, in which societal pressures have demanded adherence and agreement. The monolith of social groupthink, radicalization, has grown exponentially, and it's reared its ugly head time and again over the last few years especially. In a world desperate for acceptance, hungry for purpose, and obsessed with ideology, it seems impossible to avoid radicalization. Whether it be the latest social event, political quagmire, a national call to action, or theological debate, it seems our loyalty is constantly being demanded by radicalized groups around us, often in favor of their movements, unsurprisingly. Ironically, many of these groups utilize the same level of hyperbole to express and gather support for their positions, albeit from very different sides of the aisle, ultimately segmenting society in the ways that we're currently struggling with today. The quote-unquote, either you're with us or against us arguments are as common online as mosquitoes are during a wet, hot, unbearably steamy summer. Engaging in reasoned debate from some positions is seen as excusatory to the opposing sides, and thus deemed pointless. But why? This brings us to our topic today, the supposedly myth of neutrality. According to many, total neutrality is a myth, a sign of weakness, and an indication that those who choose to be neutral choose to be of the status quo. This all may be true, or it could all be false. We'll chat about this today. I had a brain aneurysm in the middle of that episode. <laughs> oh, I thought that was like... I, I thought was, it was, was the a, suspense. Yeah, pausing for effect. I don't know, with the really background music, it was good. I was hanging on your every note. Right? I, got, I got really interested in the music myself. You were like... I was kind of... I was like falling asleep. Is like, this is... 
Like, <laughs> that was great. Well, uh, I'm, I, I, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the quote unquote myth of neutrality. Um, you know, have you noticed, yeah. you've noticed a thread through every, in probably every one of our podcasts. Mm. There's this kind of thread that in a, it's almost going back to, remember the podcast we did about, uh, uh, I always say entomology and I'm not talking about insects, it's <laughs> like, etymology. Yes. And that, you know, the origin of words and yep. things like that. And, and really what it comes down to is definitions. Mm-hmm. And I, it seems like every subject we come up to is a debate over the definition of something. Mm. Myth, real, bias, unbiased, which side of the aisle you on? Are you, and, and I, I always find it interesting that people talk about the size of the aisle. Because when you talk about that, what do you visualize? You t- typically politics, maybe some cathedral or something where there's aisles on either side and there's kind of, you know, or, you know, the, the, in a wedding, there's the groom side and the, the bride side. I visualize kinds of things. the Loch Ness Monster. And when you think of aisles, <laughs> like you aisles know, of Scotland. It was a joke. Yeah, ah. I love that. That was very good. Like that that should have been my joke, by the way. Mm. You're so contagious. I'm going to have to accuse you. <laughs> of joke stealing? Exactly. Joke recycling? That's, <laughs> well, when there's a monster in the lake. Right. You got to um, go for it, right? Or a cathedral. But, <laughs> exactly. And there's monsters and cathedrals. But, but the thing I was getting back to on this other side of the aisle thing, it, it gives us this impression that everything is so... Uh, differential, not differential to each other, but different from each other. Either side of the aisle is so polarized. And certainly there's the back of the room and the front of the room and the sides of the aisle. And you can talk about all those things, but ultimately we're all in the same building. Mm. Unless you're in the aisle of sky or something like that, as you talked about. But <coughs> you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee took him out. I was going to say hairball, is- but that's not what bulls do that. You know, they got four stomachs to take care of those kind of things. Mm. Are you feeling so. unwell? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do a Pfizer commercial. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I watched some movie and they used they used a, a similar sounding, uh, you know, the corporations are always the bad guys, right? In, in all these big movies. Always. And this one had, had, a, had a bad guy corporation that sounded like Pfizer. Yeah. Wasn't, but sounded like Well, that. it really hit home for me about the corporations being bad during Lego Movie. You know, I was really, <laughs> uh, really impacted by that. Like, it really stuck with me when I don't remember the bad guy's name. But when he was a corporate. such a good movie. It really is. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, and that's our references anyway, now. We're going anyways, back in just time. Just to finalize this before I, you know, yeah, gave myself yeah. a coughing aneurysm there. Mm is that uh, we're all in the same building. We, we, no matter what side we are on these different debates we talk about, and whether we're talking about politics, religion, philosophy, theology, what, whatever you want to talk about, we're, we're on different sides of the aisle, but I've always conceptualized that we're all in the same building. We're all in the same club. And what's happening now is that we're made to feel like we're in two different opposing clubs. We're on different teams. We're not in the same stadium even. We don't shake hands after the game or even before the game. We don't, you know, using football reference, we don't trade jerseys or any of that shit. We just, you know, keep firing bombs at each other until, you know, somebody decides it's it's just no fun, takes their, takes their toys and goes home. Yeah. And uh, I think that there's a reason why we always talk about the definitional points of things. Um, primarily because I think there's a lot of social conflation of terms in our 
culture. Uh, I think it's become very popularized. Um, now, granted, we've talked about specifically in that episode that you mentioned the different meanings of things and how it's in flux a lot of the time. But I do think as of late, and we've touched on this before, that things have kind of hit warp speed when it comes to that type of interpretation. Um, and one of those things uh, is the idea of neutrality. Now, this a little backstory about why this is even a topic. Um, a few episodes ago, I believe it was boiling frog syndrome. Um, we were talking about a few different things. And during their research of that episode, I actually came across an article that talked about how neutrality uh, from a theological perspective was a complete and total myth. Now, I don't want to dive too deep into the theology aspect of things. I have my opinions on that. Um, but I do think that that belief system can be extrapolated out to other facets of society, um, be it science, social movements, uh, cultural interpretations. And I think it has. I think that people have taken the position as of late that there is no such thing as accurate neutrality. Um, now, I don't mean that it's either good or bad. Uh, really, the purpose of this episode is not to say either either way, really. Uh, it's more to kind That's of discuss. That's a very neutral thing to say. Well, <laughs> I don't want to put across this perception that I think it's either good or bad because I think it's based on context. I think that, you know, when you talk about natural events that are extreme, like historical events, obviously you don't want to be found on the neutral side of things. But when it comes to some of the things within our society that are almost fungible in a lot of ways or cyclical, there's this call to, you got to be on one side or the other when in reality you don't. Yeah. Well, you know, interpretation is everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you're saying. You, you know, it's sometimes history provides that viewpoint mm -hmm. on interpreting what those things, what, where you should have fallen on one side or another. A lot of people believe that taking the position of neutrality, especially as, as it um, juxtaposes against things like conflict, yeah. wars, et cetera, is you only see clearly after the fact. Mm -hmm. And the, the uh, people that determine um, the rights and wrongs of that end up determining whether somebody should have been neutral, somebody should have been on one side, should have been on another. But, yeah. you know, I don't know if you ever heard the old saying that, you know, hear what I mean, not what I say. Yeah. And that, that kind of encapsulates the way I feel about a lot of this stuff. Because I can say, you know, I, I've, everybody on earth has had conversations with another person and had a specific thing they were trying to get across and did everything in their power to get it across a certain way so the other person recognized what they said to be this way. One plus one is two, right? Mm -hmm. And the other person heard it a different way. So the, the, the all words are as symbols for meanings. That's all they really are. That's what we talk about in these podcasts all the time is how to interpret through your life course which direction to take, which road to, to, to follow, which person to emulate, which person not to. And being neutral has this conflated idea that it's somehow even-handed, maybe. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's wrong. I think we'll dive into that a little bit, but I think there's more to it than that. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you. I think that there's this, and I think we're going to agree on a lot on this this episode in particular. I don't think there's going to be a lot of uh, you know traditional headbutting. We'll that's make no something. I'll take the opposing. Would, yeah, you, argument, you, okay. Just, well, okay. you take so whatever the, whatever side you take. I'll okay. take the opposite okay. because I want to be. That's fair. I want to be right as normal. No, of course, sixty um, percent of the time. Yeah, well, one hundred percent of the time. 
6% of the time. Um, so for our listeners, for our viewers, just a little bit of background, uh, definitely uh, just specifically on the definition side of things and the philosophical th- side of things when it comes to neutrality. Um, now, neutrality from a definitional perspective is the state of or policy of being neutral, especially non-participation in war. Uh, so what is it, Switzerland? That's Or is it Sweden? People talk all the time. Switzerland. Yeah, Switzerland's completely uh, neutral, I believe. Or, or they, they if you're a pacifist. Yeah, so there's pacifism. Um, and then the same thing? No, it's no. similar. It's similar. It's, it's not, not the same. exactly the same. Um, no, they just don't want to get involved in taking sides with anything. And it's actually there's their, some power in that, by the way. Yeah, and it's actually their 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 go to. And I'll talk about it in the notes. We'll get to it. Um, so it's also the state of being neutral or being unengaged in a dispute or contest between others. Uh, the taking of no part on either side in international law, specifically uh, the attitude and condition of a nation or state which does not take part directly or indirectly in a war between other states, but maintains relations of amenity with all the contending parties. And then finally, indifference in quality, a state neither very good nor very evil. So it, there's a few different interpretations there, but I do think that's important to take in the context of understanding of what we mean when we talk about neutrality. Um, there seems to be almost this uh, knee-jerk reaction when we talk about certain things that are radicalized, be it from theology or uh, social movements, in which neutrality is, it's broad stroked is bad, and it's not bad. Um, now, granted, Neutrality in all things, to clarify, I don't think is proper. I don't think well, it's appropriate. But you have to take the circumstance into uh, consideration. Well, well, think about think about the end goal of conflicts. Mm-hmm. Okay, the end goal from one side or the other side is to win. Yeah, right. Or to back off and save face, as as a lot of people are talking about today with a particular conflict, mm-hmm. and. Think about how that eventuality comes into being. Obliteration often is is the end game on one side. But if you want to develop a, a way to part the conflict, you have to have a party, a quote-unquote neutral party, yeah. to help create a compromise. Because if, if both of opposing parties are conflicted and their ideals are different and ideologies, everything else then they must have some party in between that takes a nugget from both and says, we can do a little of this and a little of that. So the idea of neutrality to have a compromise, heck, the United States of America, there's, I mean, the great compromise was part of how we established relationships with other countries when we were a young country itself. Mm. And we chose sides all the time. And you don't have to believe in both or believe in none to be neutral. Mm Mm-mm. You just have to require yourself not to take a side. Yeah. That's a big difference. Well, I think that takes a lot of self-control. Um, now, from you know, a philosophical perspective, neutrality is the tendency not to side in a conflict, physical or ideological, ideological, which may not suggest neutral parties do not have a side or are not aware of a side themselves um, or on a side themselves. Uh, colloquially, neutral can be synonymous with unbiased. Um, now, for our listeners and viewers, synonyms for unbiased also include terms such as dispassionate, equal, equitable, even-handed, fair, impartial, indifferent, just, nonpartisan, objective, and unprejudiced. For further clarity, bias is favoritism for some sides, distinct from the tendency to act on that favoritism. 
Neutrality is distinct, though not exclusive, from apathy, ignorance, indifference, doublethink, equality, agreement, and objectivity. Now, that is sourced from the good old Wikipedia. Um, it's a <laughs> that's, legitimate that's a, source now. It's a blend it of is. a lot of brains is what that yes. is. And, and, you know, interestingly enough, Wikipedia is, is a, it's a fun thing to dive into to see how that was created and, mm. and how it eventually became kind of the the the, the mainstream right mm. so statistically if you take everybody's ideas and put them on a plate all the ideas are all over the map and you put them you put them on a three-dimensional graph and you find the mediums and the means and you find where the lines are drawn to put those things together yeah and that is the line of where wikipedia goes mm-hmm. it takes consensus to decide reality mm-hmm. very interesting from a different point of view we had the other day on a podcast right yeah Consensus is reality. I just remember the days when Wikipedia was not allowed to be sourced. Wasn't that funny? Yeah. Because you know what's, what's, uh, you know, that's, you make a good point because I was just about to bring that up. Obviously, I understand why it was the time. And I believe now you actually have to have some sort of accreditation to actually write. I think so. Um, I'm not sure. But there it comes bias that we're talking about all the time. Well, some qualifications. If you say the wrong thing on Wikipedia, even if it's your opinion about a particular subject, you're not on Wikipedia. Typically, you thus have, you're changing and you're skewing the numbers. Typically, I think you have to actually source something. Yeah, you have to, to change yeah, whatever to it is on so, the Wikipedia. Article. And I, I remember the initial argument being, "Well, anyone could just put anything up there." And you know, funny enough, that's a really good argument if all other institutions didn't seem to fumble the football when it comes to some of the things they've decided to irreversibly change over the last few years. Um, so obviously, there's there's some interesting bias there that over time just is fun to look back on um but yeah uh so specifically in relation to those uh other you know adjectives that neutrality or nouns actually that neutrality uh is similar to distinct from but similar to uh both apathy and indifference imply carelessness about a subject though a person exhibiting neutrality may feel bias they also may choose not to act on it um, neutral people can be well informed on a subject and need not be ignorant. Neutral people can be biased, so they don't have to feature doublethink, which is accepting both sides as correct, um, equality, which is viewing both sides as equal, or agreement, a form of group decision making. So, like negotiating a solution on everyone's opinion, um, including one's own, which may not be unbiased. Additionally, objectivity suggests siding with the more reasonable position, excluding journalistic objectivity. Um, there's a difference uh, where reasonableness is judged by some common basis between the sides, such as uh, logic, which is thereby avoiding the problem of incommensurability, which is the impossibility to measure com- uh, or compare due to a lacking uh, common quality required for making a comparison. Neutrality implies tolerance, regardless of how disagreeable, deplorable or unusual a perspective may be. You know, incongruity is a real problem in society today on all levels and if you mean incommensurability or incongruity well i'm saying incongruity gotcha gotcha because that's what creates (laughs) big words (laughs) we have a plethora of big words here at the wolf and bull show Mm. (laughs) and and we also if you notice both our names are four letters each which could be conflated with curse words of course well in a four-letter alphabet those are really big words yes (laughs) the entire alphabet all at once See, I've totally lost where I was going. Blah. I was, incongruity. I, I'm incongru- incongruity. My thinking is incongruent at the moment. But yeah. the, the whole idea behind incongruency is that you have two different, let's use objects. 
you know, if we're talking about geometry, you have a, a circle over here and a, and a triangle over here. Well, they'll never be the same. And you can't. They're, they're not congruent with each other. Mm-hmm. So how do you decide to marry those two things together? You have to find commonalities. You have to find where their lines cross. You have to find, yeah, well, I guess circle is a bad thing. I was going to say you have to find where the angles meet. Well you, turn no it, angle. well, you turn it upside down, so you're holding the triangle, and the circle's on top, and you have an ice cream cone. Or you figure out, does the triangle fit in the circle, or does the circle fit in the triangle? Well, yeah, so you've got to find commonalities within the... All I'm saying is complicated. Compl- our whole freaking world. This goes back to what hey, we talked about it. last time. Don't lose that. This is what, no, I'll, you're I'll, losing the, the topic. Go no, back I've got to coffee in me. I'll get coffee in me. I'll, <laughs> I'm, I'll come flying back in there. But the, this this whole thing goes lends itself back to the topics we were talking about the last probably several podcasts. 66 episodes. <laughs> yeah, 66 <laughs> other episodes. And I, there is no neutral. That's my line. There is just not. There's no such thing. We're human beings. We're not allowed to. We're not able to. Mm. You could find even numbers. Yeah. In that that if, if there is something that has no bias, then you could consider it neutral. But we as human beings have them. I don't care what yeah. definition you put on it other than that. They, they just do. Well, so that doesn't mean we're going to take a side. We can allow parameters from both sides to be to be put in place benchmarks, watermarks, whatever you want to call it, KPIs, different things to put in place that you cannot go outside of. Mm -hmm. And we will work out our differences in here, inside the building, no matter whether we're on both sides of the aisle or not. Yeah. Well, there goes his chances of being a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, so I... Why is... why Back to that. Why is justice blind? What is that trying to tell you when you hear that? That anyone, if given the proper opportunities and medical help may eventually be able to see it's it's basically trying to tell you that this is a neutral um i was going to say an edifice i don't know if that's the right word to use in this but but the whole Oedip- idea oedipus that's, neutral oedipus well oedipus, is that what you said oedipus uh, oedipus the king yes was, believe, yeah we don't need he to was go. kind of neutral but i think he liked his mom more than his dad a little bit of a mean? more of a yeah so anyway but, but he lost his eyes and he went blind. So we're back to justice again. Yeah. So, of course, he put his own eyes out, which I don't think justice did. But the whole point is justice, justice is blind because it's supposed to be at the beginning of any confrontation between two parties, plaintiffs and yeah. plaintiffs and. Bailiffs. Defendants. Defendants. Bailiffs. <laughs> Plaintiffs. Plaintiffs. Defendants. Before any conflict between, between opposing parties, it is decided that the playing field is neutral. Yes. Or at least... It's supposed to be. I was going to say objective, but maybe that's the wrong word. So I agree with you. Fundamentally, I don't think human nature allows for an absolute neutrality. I don't think that's a possibility. I think neutrality is created out of the mutual societal agreement that we have all sort of, sort of, kind of, sort of agreed to over the last couple thousand years of civilization. I think that's where it comes from. Um, Otherwise, if it didn't come from that area, then we would all be in a whole hell of a lot more problematic scenarios with lack of bill of rights and lack of uh, amendments and lack of government and lack of anything. Um, if I remember correctly, I think Alexander Hamilton actually said government, a strong government uh, allows for the uh, 
existence of neutrality. That's just paraphrasing. I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. Look that up yourself. Federalist Papers. Federalist Papers? Well, maybe, but maybe. no. Hamilton didn't write the Federalist Papers. Madison he, did. Three Hamilton, Hamilton, Jefferson, and Madison did. Oh, yeah. Hamilton right. actually wrote the most of them. I can't. I shouldn't question you. He You're a big Alexander Hamilton he fan. He wrote most of them while he was in Puerto Rico. I bet he did, way. yeah. Sipping out of some tropical drinks and... You didn't know that, did you? Imposing his will. Did you just make that up? No. Yeah, you did. No, I did not. No, I didn't. This is a point where we decide whether or not... <laughs> Does the audience know? Was or Hamilton could, in Puerto Rico when he wrote the Federalist Papers? Or I papers? could hearken back. During writing he of the... Could, he wrote them all. If you look at the numbers mm. of the chapters yeah. of each of his Federalist uh-huh. Papers... Yeah. You know what each of them are? Well, let's before you get before you Do give you that know, before you give that answer though. Let's consult the audience. Now, it's been really wonderful having you here as a guest on uh, uh, Who Wants to Be a Quadrillionaire with the Wolf and Bull. Um, and frankly, before you call in one of your helpful guests, or you know, you can get rid of one of the answers. But we have to read through these four answers on whether or not Alexander Hamilton actually wrote the Federalist Papers down in Puerto Rico. Uh, first first option is no he didn't that was a complete lie second option is maybe he did but virtually via teams third option is absolutely not who goes to puerto rico to write things about federalism and fourth option yes he did he's alexander hamilton and no one can understand him you have 60 seconds may i phone a friend friend yes go ahead blink, 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 blink. <clears throat> what was the name of the the guy that played Alexander Hamilton. In hey, this is Lin uh, Manuel Miranda. This is Lin Manuel Miranda. Are you going to read my right? I blew it. Did you just have an aneurysm? Say, are you going to read me your, my rights? Oh, you know why I said that, right? Is that your final answer? Because his name's Miranda. You don't oh know that God. it's the Miranda right? right? <laughs> yes, I know. And I stuttered on that and sputtered. And sputtered. <laughs> I've had to. What did you put in this coffee? Just dumped we, whiskey. We teed, into it. I teed you up in the most awkward way, and you 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 stumbled. You stumbled over it. You butt fumbled the joke. You you well, you Mark Sanchez yourself well, all over I, the all place. All I could think about was the last episode, and you were having a certain type of anxiety, and I was like, "Am I? Am I going to have that too?" Oh, oh clearly. Gosh. Well, yeah. I gave you coffee. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> nature's broom oh my gosh where were we poop before anxiety. we went to puerto, puerto rico. rico we were he at didn't pooping anxiety. write them in puerto rico oh, we weren't. he thought about them in puerto rico <laughs> i have no <laughs> sorry no, I, he was in puerto rico i'm trying my mind tells me he was puerto rico alexander hamilton i don't I've, think so in puerto rico Let's, we need to look that up i'm telling you right now Go ahead and Puerto Rico. Hey, uh, hey, was it Jeremy? Is that it's not Jeremy. long? It can't be Ben. Jamie. Jamie. Jamie, yeah, can't be Ben anymore. Uh, hey, uh, Jamie, could you go ahead and look that up? Uh, yeah, uh, Professor X and I over here are talking about whether Alexander Hamilton was in uh, to you. was in uh, Puerto it's Rico. X, it's Xavier. To you. He's, he was drinking. He was drinking my ties and <laughs> getting drinks off the back of the. You, you know, did this. just make that up, didn't you? You made it up. You totally made you it up. You liar! Totally, absolutely full of full of whatever's going to be coming out now, of you later. Now, anyone no, who knows I the answers, make it up. I don't know about that. <laughs> Is the bull lying? A. Absolutely. B. Not sure. C. Potentially. Or D. <laughs> no comment. Or, or he be thirty driving, seconds. Or could he be driving a Lincoln? Yeah. 
We can't reference old jokes. We gotta Why be not? fresh. We gotta be fresh. Well, I was fresh. Going, you know where I was going. Like with my the, poop anxiety. With the, with the fresh, fresh. Like I my don't poop. want to think about your fresh poop poop. anxiety. Being fresh, fresh. Poop. Anyway, I was talking about each one of those Federalist Papers numbers. Yep. was prime. Why okay. Don't, no, I'm why stopping. Don't you like that? No, I'm it's stopping. Been, it's been nope. weeks nope. and weeks nope. and weeks since I referenced that. Now I mentioned that neutrality implies tolerance, and tolerance <laughs> is the apparently the wolf is not neutral. Yeah, no. Uh, tolerance is the capacity for, for or the practice of recognizing and respecting the beliefs or practices of others. I recognize and I respect your beliefs and practices. I respect your jokes. You are lying. You're a bald faced liar. Or you're a wolf lion. Or you're a hairy face liar. He's a hairy face liar. Enlarged dentures. What's the the one term that our our, our POTUS says? You're a a, a bald faced lion pony soldier. Come on, man. Pony soldier. You're a bald faced lion pony soldier. Uh, But yeah, regarding moderation and mediation, neutrality champions the facilitation of dialogue independent of bias, uh, emphasizing process over outcome. And these parties are often perceived as more trustworthy, reliable, and safe. Unlike the bull who totally lied about Puerto Rico. I'm, I'm telling you. <gasps> Liar! Hey. You're lying. Gosh. Why did you believe Why would him? I lie? He wasn't in Puerto Rico. Why would I lie about it? You know what? I'm just going to look stupid at this point, so I'm going to drop the <laughs> subject. <laughs> Dropping it flat on its face. We're not going to bring it up again. <laughs> Is Beowulf, does she look dumb in this instance? Oh, you better A, watch it, Wolf. Yes. B, afraid to answer. C, uh, decline your question. And D, absolutely not. She's right in every instance. Uh, correct answer is uh, is D. Yes, is D. Um, but yeah, on a side note, by the way, uh, yes. the bias of neutrality itself, if you didn't know, uh, is the expectation upon the Swiss government, so what's Switzerland, uh, in armed neutrality and the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies related to non-interventionism. So, yeah. So they had a side. Themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they, well, some of them were pacifists. Some of them just believed there should be no conflict. Whatever. If and you some have of a them are Swiss. each other, just don't so do anything about it. I don't know. Would you sort of, could you say like, I'm going to do whatever is best for me as a sign of neutrality. So I'll lean this way, that way, whichever way. Go well, with the wind. obviously, you're not supposed to explicitly state that. Um, I think it's I think it's implicit for a well, lot of people. Let's think about the Swiss Army, right? And and why they would want to be, you know, neutral. Or better yet, let's think of Swiss cheese. Or let's why does it have holes? Swiss watch. They're always on time. If there is such a thing. What about a Swiss bank account? <laughs> uh, that that was great comedic yeah, timing. By that was the way, good. I really liked. It was really good. It. I did. So I yeah. wish I had one. So <laughs> I, so the Swiss I could put all my crypto in there. <laughs> so the Swiss in a crypt. Yeah. So the Swiss, the Swiss. You were saying yes. Swiss cheese. <laughs> oh, he lost it. He lost his coffee. It. You did. Coffee doesn't help at all. You did. You he's, were bringing up Swiss cheese. Now Wait. he's projecting Swiss cheese. I said Swiss on Army. Me. Think of the Swiss Army. That's what I'm saying. Why Swiss. do you think they wanted to be neutral? Because it was smart for them. Swiss. They were in the middle so of the conflict. That, how Why is that neutral? 
I mean, they're literally smack in the middle of everything. Don't they border Germany, France? Of course they do. Mm-hmm. The German army had to go basically Italy? around all their mountains to get to France to conquer it and every five years. And Switzerland's like, yeah. leave us alone. It, Swiss is like, and we'll oh, leave we're, you alone. we're neutral. Now, yeah, we're, here's the real observation. We'll feed you some cheese. Who we'll came out? Army who came out of that least scathed? Switzerland. Mm. I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm I just mean, saying not, that the idea of neutrality you know is, is, in this case, is self-preservation. Of course. In the case of the and Red Crescents and the Red Cross, of course, they so, have a position on how they look at things. In case of any case of a referee in a football game, well, or but see, basketball see game, so it, I get it, but I, I think, and I, I think that that's apparent. And I think it's something that's true. I think I guess my position on this, yeah, I'm trying to be neutral here. here you know, um, he's, he's my position a on this, politician. Over I here. have my position on this is that uh, the idea that neutrality itself is impossible, which I'm not saying you're suggesting, uh, but the idea that it is impossible for people, I think, is wholly incorrect. I think it's something that we can engage within, but it's based upon what we deem to be contextually appropriate. He has a thus career in politics. It. He has told me I'm right and wrong in the same sentence, not the same paragraph, the same sentence. It was a run-on sentence. Well, okay. A paragraph. So what's well, the difference? If you have poop anxiety, then it could be. Stop referencing my insecurities. What's the difference <laughs> between being a neutral person because you truly, or person, in this case, we're talking about country, but just in general. Talk about person. Go back to person because country is more, it's more litigation oriented. So what's instance. the difference between being truly a neutral person in the sense of you just don't care either way, uh, as it said, non That's not neutral. No, like dispassionate about either side or being, um, maybe they do care but they're going to be self-preserving their own self-interest so they'll they'll well, hold back from making decisions self-control way. well think about think about this for a second maybe and i'll go off into my my space frontier here and um you know what, what was the prime directive right the, the prime directive yeah <laughs> is this a battlestar galactica reference oh my we? god fracking a no <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. I do too. Uh, no, the the uh, that's from Star Star Trek, the Prime Directive. Oh yeah, sorry, I don't you don't like have Star to Trek. be a boomer to, to like Star Trek. Spread Come your on. seed amongst the stars. Go where no one has gone before. They used <laughs> to say where no man's to gone before. Spread the seed amongst the stars. Our the Star Trek they're, is they're, Chris Pine and Benedict Cumberbatch. That's our Star that, Trek. Even that's in Benedict like Cumberbatch. 12, and, how long oh. ago was that? Twelve. Years ago, something Eight like that. Years ago, feels like it. it. I don't know. Anyway, but the whole prime directive was something in Star Trek where you could go and visit all these planets, but don't mess around. Doesn't matter what's going on on the planet, who's conflicting with who. Who's well, they dying broke that. Off, they broke it? that all the time. I didn't say they didn't. Yeah, I'm saying the directive yeah. was designed for neutrality, mm-hmm. and they weren't. That's really not even the right word because they could look at something going on on you know planet. Zagnar. 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 That was one of my favorite episodes. With the Zagnarians and the Blarfigans? (laughs) The Blarfigans. That's the Woozles and the Huffalumps. Yeah, well, they were also the the other factions on that planet as well. The Zagnarians, the the, Blarfigans. The Zagnarians were wiping out the... The Blagnarians. 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 Whatever they were. They were they were, they were, they were wiping them off the, the, the face. The Blue Fionians? Because the Blue Fionians were too slow, and the Zagnarians 
Zagnarix. No, Zagnarix. Zagnarix? Yeah, yeah. The Zagnarix were quick. Yeah. Right? So they were catching up to the Blue Floatians all the time. <laughs> well, see, they were wiping them out. Their and, bellies would drag you know, them along the ground, Captain, though. Captain so. Kirk up there was like, we got to save the, the Blufarians. Yeah. Because the Zagnarix are a bunch of jerks. Bunch of jerks man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We need to do something about it. And Spock was like, no. This can't. sounds like an L. Ron Hubbard a logical thing book. to do. Um, shout out Hot B, L. Ron Hubbard. I'm crying. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Battlefield Earth. Yeah, right. right. Um, yeah, so I, I, so to answer your question, after we talked about the Zagnarakians. We have no idea um, what happened to the Zagnarakians now. Well, the Narakians were an older version of the Zagnarakians. You're thinking, you're thinking third, you're thinking, you're thinking third iteration here. It's the fourth age, and the Zagnarakians no longer exist. The, the Zagnarakians. Yeah. And Frodo, Frodo was with Sauron fighting. It was fighting, fighting Darth Vader in Mount Doom on top of Battlestar Galactica. It was great. It was great. Just let me know when Dumbledore shows up. Well, he, he, I think he's already. Yeah. He, well, the Balrog killed him. So Balrog. Yes. Exactly. I'm literally crying. That was the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, and I'm going to write, I'm going to write a book about it. Um, but yeah, I think to answer your question, you know, did uh, I have a question in there? No, to, to Jen's question or shit. Well, God, we got to start all over Beowulf's question. Jen, she's, we're on the other show. They know our names. Everyone knows. Um, to answer your question, I think what actually makes someone neutral as opposed to self-interested is one, whether they know something about the topic. <laughs> he's thinking about the Zagarakians. I, I've ruined it. He's been thinking about it. The Blarfagans and the Zagarakians, the killing of the Woozlefolves, the Woozlefolves, and, and the Woozlewolves. And uh, yeah, he's he's thinking about all that. <laughs> I don't even know how we continue from this point. But I think it's self-interest and then it's actually knowing about the subject itself. Because if I take on a discussion between you two and I don't know anything about the subject and I'm telling you both that you're both correct and I'm operating within groupthink. Neutrality is actually understanding what the subject is about, having a merited opinion about it, but deciding not to operate on a basis of bias up until it is required. <laughs> This we can't have a serious conversation anymore because he's done. He's done. He's dying. He's got the giggles. We can't. He's just. He's dying. He's literally dying. <laughs> I shouldn't have pulled up. Oh, I should not have whipped oh, out the Zagnarakis. He's got this picture of the Zagnarakis. <laughs> yeah, yep. Whew. We'll see what they are. Is they're in, they're yeah. half squirrel, half dolphin hybrids with their bipeds. They're bipedal. But they look like dolphins merged with squirrels. <laughs> so it's very interesting. All right. Oh, yeah. I got to get us oh, back yeah. on track here. We've been in Star Wars. <laughs> Not Star Wars. Star, Star Trek. Trek. No, a hairy, the, hairy the whole, lord of the star. The whole point is, is they, they never, they never followed the prime director. Rarely. Yeah. Followed their prime director. Star they, Trek. They, they Not always the tried to change things and model it because they had their own point of view. And everybody has a point of view. We're all human. Yeah. We all have bias. We all have, we like to take this center lane. And I think, I think the only way you can even get close to that center lane is logic. Well, what's interesting is on episode 420, uh, specifically at time base uh, 69 in Star Trek, uh, 42069, specifically at that episode, um, Captain Kirk was looking at one of the Zagnarakians as he was bleeding out. And he realized 
that the Zagnarakians were only bad because they operated within the moral construct of moral relativism. And it really See, corrupted their I, society. I was done going on about it. He just, he just, as he up to the edge of the cliff. Mm. We'll see the Black Narfians, though. <laughs> uh, so neutrality obviously has a lot of criticisms uh, in society, as we've referenced earlier in the episode before all collectively having aneurysms and losing our minds. Uh, it's only six o'clock or seven o'clock or something like that. So early, early for us. Uh, now, all of the above about, you know, and by that I mean everything we've talked about, uh, about neutrality may seem fine and dandy, but the philosophy of neutrality has been heavily criticized. Um, neutrality has been criticized as an unethical option. The argument being that the neutral option can, directly or indirectly, end up favoring those who harm others or maintain a state of injustice, per your reference of you're either with us or against us. Sorry. Uh, IPA burps. <laughs> <laughs> IPA burps. Sounded, sounded like you're siding with the Blarfonians. Uh, yeah, there. the Blarfgoffians. <laughs> uh, so, that was in, yeah, it was good. Burponians yeah, the Burponians. Well, the Burponians were a separate. They came in from another planet. Well, they were a neutral faction that was actually from uh, from a partial, <laughs> impartial planet destroyed by a recent uh, nuclear explosion. By the way, this is this is. Imposed by the uh, the I think entities this is what that were people do when they sit around on like the back rooms of Saturday Night Live or some of these comedy shows from the eighties and yeah. stuff that were all stupid. Well, they, they just, just had, made up shit and, and they made a bunch. They made like they had a bunch of drugs too. Back when um, they were funny, yeah. There was a whole like two or three movies called the Coneheads. Yeah, do you remember that? I do. That came from a Saturday Night Live skit. I yeah. so did the Blues Brothers. Blouse mm-hmm. so, great movie. That was a great movie. Yeah, Coneheads, not so much. Blues no, Brothers, it wasn't, but very it, funny. How do you get like two or three movies out of something? Beowulf has no idea what we're talking about. No. Yeah. At all. At all. You yeah. don't need to. Trust me. It's nothing. It's not like, hey, you got to go see this classic. It's called the Coneheads. Yeah. Jeez. What are their heads look like? Well, it's like Sorry. that movie. It's well, it's like the that. Larfonians. It's like the movie Strange Brew. Shout out Strange Brew podcast. That's uh, right. Uh, it's. I love that movie, but it's kind of the similar lane of hilarity that no longer exists because people can't be creative um so yeah uh, obviously now there's uh, a very particular individual who i have criticisms of that is also very critical of neutrality uh italian writer dante alighieri uh writer author of the divine comedy he says in canto three that people and angels uh he said that in Canto, not in Canto, not the Disney movie. <laughs> I was thinking uh, the Disney in, movie. In I N Canto three, that people and angels that uh, who were not rebels nor faithful to their god, but stood apart, were condemned to being stung eternally by wasps and gadflies. Uh, quote: The darkest place in hell uh, is reserved for those who maintain their neutrality in times of moral crisis. Now, keep in mind, moral crisis. So, why do you extremes. hate that though? Why do you I don't hate, hate that? that at all. You just said you hated him. No, criticize. I've criticized him. I didn't say I hate him. I said I have criticisms of him because he's never been to hell. How do you know? I guess you don't. We don't. How do we know L. Ron? Obviously what he's saying. How do we know L. Ron Hubbard isn't a thetan? It's thetan, by the way. Well, it rhymes with Satan. It's a little too negative. Um, And then... Obviously, Theodore Roosevelt, uh, quoting Dante's work in his America and World War in 1915, said Dante reserved a special place of infamy in the inferno for those base angels who dared side neither with evil nor with good. 
South African so, priests. Go ahead. It's either with me or against me, right? Yes, very similar. But and, then and, again, he's and, talking about world war. I understand that. Yeah. But the 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 reason I got to be careful about this. Mm-hmm. My point, I'll let, well, I'll let you think about it. My point is measurable differences. World War, obviously, unless you're the Swiss. They had a secret. It was called the Alps. Beautiful place. <laughs> they no said, one, in 2022, we're going to have so many reels and TikToks yeah. at this place. We have yeah, to no keep kidding. it as beautiful like that as one possible. Place. Is, that, is, it, is the slide, is the roller coaster thing in the Alps? Yeah, that, oh my God. Well done, Alps, Swiss, cheese, um, it, like it, it, chocolate. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think that obviously not everyone can be neutral um, when it comes to things like that. And I think that's what's important to remember is that in times of moral crisis, obviously you shouldn't be neutral if you can't. But see, the, the neutrality about these subjects, our view on the obviously part about it is all historical. True, but I don't yeah. think it was irrelevant at the time. I don't think it's irrelevant either. Yeah, you can be on the right side or the wrong side of history all over the place, and if the wrong side, quote unquote, from our current point of view, wins, then a hundred years from now it'll look like it was the right side. Yeah, well, that's that... that's kind of my point. And the only ones that kind of know the difference are the logical neutral ones in between. Mm-hmm. And I use that neutral phrase because I don't, I don't believe. Obviously, I've made my. My point, I don't believe in the neutrality of any of this. Yeah. I, I think anybody that is neutral, it, I mean, not picking a side is choosing, right? I don't think that's it's making Im- a choice. Yeah, but I don't think the implication is that you shouldn't choose a side. I think the implication is you withhold the bias from either extreme. Correct. But that's external. It can be an internal, too. No, you, no, you can't. If you have internal biases, they're there. Yeah, but you can. There's plenty of people that don't act on prejudice. That they, no, that's they external. Yeah, I'm talking about oh, the yeah, internal actually, okay. biases. No, I understand. Right. Okay, gotcha. So the yeah. whole point I'm making is, if you have an internal bias of any kind whatsoever, but it's going to taint your ability to create that compromise that supposedly is the reason for being neutral. Well, maybe. I mean, maybe it might it might taint it. But well, if you choose if you choose not to if you choose to act on it in a, a fair manner, which neutrality is a synonym of fairness, then it won't taint it. I think it's a matter of self-control. I think if you sit down okay. with somebody, if I sit down with you and I sit down with you, Beowulf, and we have I watch you guys have a disagreement and I witness a disagreement. And my ultimate goal, because I think that's what is important in this instance, is peace and, you know, friendship amongst you two and all three of us. I would obviously take a position that is moderate. That's fine. But I would tell anybody that's talking about this that there is no way in the context of us three that any one of us could be neutral in in a conflict between two of us. So you'd have to, as, as it's just, it's impossible from I, my I point of view in this. Well, maybe in this circumstance. So you know what you have to do? Maybe in this You have to hire an outside mediator. independent counsel. Yes. So, but arbitration. So, so I guess what, a mediator. So, uh, so I understand. I guess my, my point, that was probably a little too personal of an example. I just mean it in the sense that there obviously in throughout history have been multiple instances where people have been able to be neutral. They just chose to control themselves. I think that's, I think so. I think so. hundred percent. Tell me. One instance? Yeah. Um, the only reason we, we talk right now I would say about the historical figures. Entirely, the justice system. Entirely. 
fair representation. 100%. Yeah, and, and you could talk, you could go online and watch thousands and thousands of things about how biased that system really yeah, is. Yeah, but we that's nitpicking. In well, over, it doesn't in matter the, if it's nitpicking. Well, the reason people come up with those <laughs> points of view is they believe whoever yeah. made that decision, that judge. Okay, but then we're then we're then we're talking then we're talking about the, we're talking about the same thing that we've argued about in relation to situations of the last two years. People focusing on the actual minutia as opposed to the grand whole of things. It doesn't matter. It does. Bias. It does. Bias changes the direction of something. I'm not saying real it or not. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm saying, and I don't necessarily know if bias innately does that. I would say the act upon that bias does that. Correct. But so, even if you don't act upon the bias, if it's revealed in any way, shape, or form ever from now until forever that that you had as the arbiter of this disagreement, any kind of bias. Okay. Then historically, whatever decisions were made that you were the basis of that neutrality are gone. If in retrospect, if so, in the instance that it isn't, because for example, how would it not be? Sometimes people have thoughts that they keep themselves. We all have internal biases. Just because I see someone on the street doesn't mean that I'll ever tell anyone or ever say anything about that particular bias that I may hold about that circumstance or perception. That's all that's internalized human nature. Just because we have a thought doesn't mean it's an actual thing. Isn't it? Not necessarily. An actual thing, hmm. the thought. I mean, he, uh, what does the, the thought? Well, do? that's you a have whole it. different conversation. But, but, but yeah. my point is the same. <clears throat> if if there is no, you're saying you can put a, a, a barrier between your internal inspection yes. of what you believe and don't believe, mm-hmm. and it does not cross that barrier to whatever the actions are that you take, I think or whatever I, your suggestions are. I don't think it's common, but I think it's possible. Yes, so I disagree. Because I think then, how do you have any measure of self control ever? Self control does not mean you don't have bias. It, but it, it just means, means you, you don't always act upon it. Have, even if you don't act upon it, your psychology <clears throat> tilts you one way or another. Sure, but there's been in, plenty of instances in which because this is the nature versus nurture argument. There's been plenty of instances in which people have been total outliers from what they have been raised up in, from what people have so, determined to be where they should have been based on where they were raised. Let me ask you. So if you have if you have an internal bias of some sort, and I, I don't have a good is this example. a heavy bias or is this a prejudice that people normally have just in fleeting thoughts? <laughs> I, it, I don't know if it even matters. Like, do I go home and I worship a shrine about this bias? Like, or do do I have a fleeting well, thought that well, I would never act upon ever? You're a wolf, okay, and you have wolfly biases. So there's I'm a, mom- a bull, and I have bully biases. You're a bale wolf. <laughs> And you have and biases you have against certain Irish virus, certain monsters that Irish. you kill. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So <coughs> Grindel. Grindelwald. Oh, Grindelwald. You're no, right. No, no it's Grindel. Isn't. Grindelwald's from Harry Potter. No, the, the so, monster Beowulf killed was Grindel, wasn't it? No. The green remember. one? I'm pretty sure oh it was Grindel. Oh, my God. Why do I not know it? I'm pretty sure it was Grindel. I don't remember. Beowulf killed. Yeah, I think you're right. Hey, uh, Jamie, but, could you go ahead and look up what the monster was that was murdered by Beowulf? I think Beowulf? the monster that they found in Beowulf was in Puerto Rico, by the way. Yeah, uh, were they writing the Federalist Papers? Um, anyway, see, back to... So it back was to, Grendel. See, yep, your, see? Your, nature, Grendel. your nature as a wolf is to distract. And while you're doing that, you, your, your other compatriots are circling me, and I don't even know it. The Thetans? You're right. They are. Uh, the, They're all the around The other you. wolves, the ghost wolves in the background, in the wolf, in the 
woods trying I thought to we made it clear that I'm a lone wolf. Um, better for Don't narrative purposes. Um, so my, my whole point is is there are things in our nature. There, so there's there's biological aspects to how we are as people, and mm-hmm. then there's circumstantial aspects mm-hmm. that change as we grow and we think and we learn and we change over time. So all of those things affect the way we view everything. So there is no pure neutral way for me to view opposing issues. Yeah, but I think that I, I have bias. I, I think you're taking this position as if there needs to be a pure position or for it to be neutrality. I think there's no it such does. thing as true neutrality. Just like I think there's that's no what such I'm saying. just like I think there's no such thing as true truth because that's a cyclical argument that's pedantic. There's no answer to it. Right, because then we're we're going into the alternative of moral relativism and moral absolutism is where no. we're going. What what you're talking about is perception of truth versus truth. There is neutral, mm-hmm. but not from our personal perceptions. Okay, but it still means we could operate within it in a restrained way. No, I'm saying from a personal from a personal point of view, your idea of truth, your idea of neutral, your idea of bias, your idea of all these different things has, as we've talked about a million times, a personal filter on it. Of course it does. That personal filter alters the way you think about something. It doesn't necessarily change what how you're going to act. Yeah, but it may change it actually in the opposite <clears throat> direction. Because if you're thinking, oh, I, I side with uh, France over Germany, mm-hmm. so I, I don't want to show any bias. I want to prove that I'm neutral, so I'm going to give Germany this extra thing in this compromise that we're putting together. You see what I'm saying? You, you change, or, or better yet, we can take it down to an actual relative point. You're a parent and you have two kids and you don't want to show one more favoritism than the other. So you play the neutral role of not playing sides in an instance where they're both bickering. You be the parent. That is actual neutrality, right? Okay. And I'm a parent. I also have siblings. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you when my brother and I were squabbling over things when I was a kid, there were certain ways that I was viewed, sure. certain ways he was viewed. Mm-hmm. And it's based on personality. It's based on historical things that have occurred. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't punish us the same or yeah. not punish us the yeah, same. Yeah, I'm not saying that. Okay. So my viewpoint of that those historical events were that they were trying very hard to be neutral with whatever mm-hmm. situation has occurred. And based off of my observation uh, of that. Based on my recollection of a lot <laughs> of instances, I got to go read my book and my brother got to go to his room. Yeah, I'm just, but, but I'm. Does that give you any indication of Maybe, what but that's also a, like, like the only reason I'm saying that is because we talk about the, like the, the uh, freaking thing you brought up from Star Trek. You, Dang prime nerd. directive. The prime directive. A prime it doesn't directive. mean doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. It means it's a guideline. So neutrality, in an effort to try and make sure that there is peace, in a lot of ways, would be what we strive for if we're wanting to live in a world that has about a guideline, lack of conflict. That's what I'm getting at. I'm not getting at the fact that people can like. There's no Spock. Okay, I understand that. Like this is all bullshit. Spock wasn't very neutral anyway. I, I understand, but he was I, in battle with himself all the yeah, time. Yeah, well, it's because of his haircut. A, no, he had a human mother right and a vulcan father maybe the vulcans were the problem know that if you were a star trek geek like i do know that and i just don't like quoting it because it makes me look uh unique 
Unfortunately, he's only seen Benedict I'll, Cumberbatch. Yeah, I'll start. I'll quote playing that character. <gasps> I'll quote my my Zagnarkians fantasy trilogy <laughs> anthology that I'm writing. Um, so I, I guess my point is not that people are absolute either way. I just mean that if you're striving to be neutral, I think it is possible. You're just not absolute neutral. Just like I don't think you can be absolutely black or absolutely white when it comes to good or bad. Then you're making my point. Thank you very much. Wrong. Incorrect. Hold it. Mic yeah. drop. Incorrect. How is that incorrect? Because neutrality exhibits the world is gray argument. Right? No. Yes, it does. No. Of course it does. No, because the closer you get to gray, the more you understand gray is a combination of what? Both. But Mm -hmm. you don't take either side, or you'd be black or white. I didn't say you take either side. I'm not saying you did. We're arguing semantics now. No, we're not. We're arguing (laughs) We're arguing about everything. Pedantics. Pedantic semantics. Yes. Well... There's a lot of Two other fish, criticisms. Yeah, we should talk about the other criticisms. Um, I'll just say a few quotes. Uh, Southwest, uh, Southwest, God, South African. Southwest is a plane. South African priest Desmond Tutu said, if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. Uh, Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson, neutrality is a negative word. It does not express what America ought to feel. We are not trying to keep out of trouble. We are trying to preserve the foundations on which peace may be rebuilt. Uh, Lajaus Kossuth, governor president of the Kingdom of Hungary from 1848 to 1849, said neutrality as a lasting principle is evidence of weakness. And then Max Eastman, American writer on literature, philosophy, and society, also a political activist, uh, quote unquote, people who demand neutrality in any situation are usually not neutral, but in favor of the status quo and then finally ellie weisel american writer of night his experience as a jewish prisoner in auschwitz professor political activist nobel laureate we must take sides neutrality helps the oppressor never the victim silence encourages the tormentor never the tormented and then uh the huffington post uh specifically in their um recent article about how uh being neutral about uh anything is a uh, example of prejudice and racism yeah, that's, uh, that's is why neutrality point. is just as harmful as prejudice um but this again goes back to my point of context and extremes if we're talking about the holocaust historically the people in that area of the world who were not ss gestapo did not know that that was going on had they have known i can assure you no one would have picked the sides of the, the Nazis. I don't think they would have. I think it would have been a minority. Same thing with any form of genocide, but that is an extreme. But if we're talking about a cyclical argument of people's innate desire to either A, continuing to, to A, continue to be ignorant towards each other and not know anything about each other and learn anything about each other, or B, be tr- prejudiced because they want to be douchebags, there's no such thing as a side in that area because it's a cyclical argument that is only solved by people's chosen uh, decisions to grow up what it comes down to that's what's happening right now is people asking us to be uh on sides of pointlessness that's where i'm getting at is if if, if i'm talking about humanity and the existence of an entire race of people or humans in general or animals or the preservation of the earth those are extreme arguments that anyone would be ridiculous to be neutral in either you're on it or you're against it but if it's something to do with whether i like uh, i don't know a coffee shop because they happen to be outspoken during a certain period of time who cares who cares and that's my point neutrality shouldn't exist in that area and if it does when it comes to the in the area of extremes it shouldn't exist but if it does in the area of pointlessness that's because you're trying to stay out of a dumb argument yeah yeah go ahead bail oh no 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 please 
Go. No, no, after you. No, no. I'm trying to be very neutral after about this. After you. I'm so, I'm in the gray. Neutral. You guys are so polite. You're very polite. But, you know, the, the, the problem now is that everybody's trying to draw this line of black and white well, I think, all the time. And I'm not talking. Well, the manipulation is just really, really fast. I also think it depends on, like, you've been talking about extremes, like with, mm-hmm. you know, extreme stuff of World War II and stuff. And then you also brought the coffee shop thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think there's just a lot of people who who it doesn't matter to them personally and other people may get upset. I'm, I'm not talking about the extremes right now. I'm talking about like the coffee shop thing. Yeah. Like this coffee shop does this, this, this during this period of time. I know you're thinking of this because I currently have a mug with that coffee shop on it. <laughs> Look, by the way, I'm not criticizing the coffee shop. I'm saying that in the broad scheme of things, much like our discussion about time and our recent episodes and in really in anything, because we'll eventually tackle the, the object of truth that's on our list, which is an interesting one. Um, there's things that matter. And then there's things that are self-imposed stupidity. Well, it's also like wh- something that really matters to one person and probably does affect their life in a big way. To this other family, for example, it's not even on their radar. They've got this other huge problem that's their number well, one thing. And, and the question that so, I have for people who want you to join their cause is what is the end goal of that cause? If I join your cause by posting a square that shows nothing, which I did not do, sure as hell happy I didn't do that because I waited. Hot, I played the neutral game. Hot take. Well, th- that's that's part Just of Just saying. Like, I mean, that's a psychological problem. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it truly is. Not for everybody. Mm. For everybody, some people are justifiably angry about something in their lives. And As they, they should they, be. And they, they have a, 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 I would like to call it a psychotic break, but it's not. It's transference. Mm-hmm. You have anxiety of some kind and you transfer it on others. For whatever reason becomes your cause. Part of that is, it, it's kind of like the, the story I talked about the other day with uh, the cash register. Gap. Yes. Good old Ray Ann. She was like that because she needed to be a cold-hearted to, bitch. She, she wasn't. She was very nice. I know. I'm joking. I'm she, joking. But to most people, she was not. Mm. And to me, she was not for a while. Mm. It's because she didn't see value in herself. Yeah. And when people don't see value in themselves, they look outside of themselves to determine where their value belongs. They take on causes. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with the, taking on causes. Don't get me wrong when I say this. There's, I, I think it's great to build yourself and build things around you yes. for the betterment of all of us. I think sure. that's wonderful. And, and I can disagree with you and still admire the fact that you want to do something outside of your own circle. Mm-hmm. And I talk about my own circle all the time. But the fact of the matter is, is that a great deal of people that do that aren't doing it for altruistic reasons. They're doing it because they have a problem in themselves. They see no worth and value in themselves. Or they, so see they have too to much. criticize others to raise themselves up. Or they see too much value in themselves. Falsely. If they, them. If they pulled back the curtain on themselves, which is what people really need to do to be introspective, they would see that there's something missing. True. And they would see that they're propping themselves up to this on this pedestal that they don't belong on because none of us do. Mm-mm. And they're doing it so they have a feeling of self-importance. And to, to modify that, they need to gather a group of like-minded people all on the same terrible psychological train to force their, their viewpoint on somebody else. 
Well, yeah, and I think that that's a viable point. Now, we've talked about the criticisms of neutrality. We're going to talk about a few additional views because I think it gives them a little bit more insight. Um, in Supreme Court decisions, Southworth versus Board of Regents of the University of Wisconsin system based on the United States Constitution's First Amendment, the court decided some funding decisions should be made through a neutral viewpoint. Um, hopefully they decide that again when it comes to, uh, what was the one, Yale? the Yale one that's in the Supreme Court right now. Um, And then Oxford English Dictionary documents that by at least 1897, neutral meant applying the rules to the facts, as in football, your point earlier, uh, neutral linesmen shall officiate in all games. Now, I'm not a philosopher. I'm not a biologist, not a scientist, not a doctor. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a PE teacher. I'm not a politician. I'm, I'm not a podcaster. I'm not a, uh, I'm not an artiste. I'm not a painter. I'm not a musician. Actually, that is true. I am a musician to some degree. Um, I'm a podcaster. And I believe that engaging in honest neutrality means a few different things. Of course, my co-host hates my position and you will not agree with me. So I'm a victim now. I'm, I'm a podcasting victim. Um, Damn it, Jim. I'm a podcaster, not a biologist. Uh, Number one, neutrality can pave the way for diplomatic solutions. Number two, though distinct from objectivity, I believe that taking an initially neutral position on hyperbolic arguments, not moral calls for assistance, but hyperbolic arguments, allows for a thorough analysis of given data. Neutrality eliminates appeals to emotional fallacy. uh, It prevents radicalization, moral relativism, and ethical fading. And it also attempts to humanize a position before demonizing doesn't mean it will not inevitably demonize. It just means that it tempts to early on. I don't think that it is a position per your position, which I think is correct, that you can hold indefinitely. I don't think you can. I just think it is something that you can engage in preemptively in order to learn a little bit about the situation in order to prevent a uh, cycle of echo chamber that people seem to find themselves in all the time. Okay. So you said something a moment ago. And it was, I think, the Supreme Court decision or, no, the Oxford English Dictionary mm-hmm. documents that for over 120 years now, neutral has been applying rules to the facts, mm-hmm. as in football, you mentioned. So here's where we align. Yeah. Okay. What, I, what I've what i been arguing about for the last hour is this human element that we throw into everything. And it bogs down the system. It's a cog in the machine, right? And And it needs to be eliminated from the machine. Because if we want to think about things logically, mathematically, geometrically, however you want that is definitive. And what I mean is it has a certain definition right now that can be not unchangeable. It has boundary conditions. Thank you. That's a, And you used that term last time. I think it's a great term. So there are boundary conditions that we agree if you're inside this boundary and you're adhering to these 10 rules, whatever mm-hmm. they are, that is our definition right now of a neutral situation. Yes. And if we can come in together, these opposing parties, and use this, even though a human is arbitrating that we get together inside these rules and parameters, it's neutral. Mm-hmm. Now, those parameters, those questions, those answers, those KPIs, they might change at some point. Down the line, Supreme Court might change him, doctor might change him, philosophical, Wikipedia might change him, for God's sakes, in the future. Mm-hmm. But for right now, there's a lane. Yeah. And if you're inside that lane, that is neutral. And if you're willing to play by these rules, that is the neutrality zone. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with taking that position at no. all. I'm right in the same place you are. Well, and, and I think, because we talk about human nature all the time. You know what's not within human nature? The last hundred or so years that we've existed? That's not common in all of humanity to have some sort of level of representation of rights and some level of open discussion and some level of consideration of uh, people who are outside of the norm. That That's not normal in all of human history. Neither is neutrality. It's not ho- normal within human nature. So my whole point being is if we are to transcend, transcend to become better versions of humans, whether it be you know, in the possibly ethical way where we don't meld with machines or in the Elon Musk, Bill Gates way in which we become part machine, part human, which innates, you know, the destruction of our own humanity. But that's another topic eventually. Um, Whether we do either of those things, at the end of the day, neutrality is not natural to your point. It's not. It's not natural. People don't get together and say, hmm, how can I benefit the other party across from me while also benefiting myself? They don't naturally say that, which is why within this civil circle of we've created you know, uh, through natural occurrence and through luck and through a myriad of different societal impacts and influence, that that, that in and of itself is unique. And that's my and, point. And frankly, I hope you're wrong about one of the things you said. And what that is, is that you, you said this time period over the last 100, 200 years of this this experiment. Hopefully it's, it's not this rare. thing that we generously call freedom today. Mm-hmm. And that keeps changing and morphing before our very eyes is very rare. I, I remember watching yeah. someone, this was 20 years ago, uh, Doug Weed, mm-hmm. pretty famous, uh, passed recently, by the way, but pretty famous historian slash counselor to a couple of presidents, wrote books about presidents and their children. But he was an incredible historian, unbelievable storyteller. But he was, he was mentioning one time at a conference I was at how... Matter of fact, this is this is how he did it. I'm going to paraphrase, but he had he had the conference lights in the hall turned off. We were in a hotel with I don't know, maybe there was a thousand people there or something like that. And he lit a lighter, and he he went on to tell this story for the next ten minutes, maybe fifteen minutes, about how this. I didn't let the light go the whole time. Probably would burn himself doing that, but but he maybe he was lit a candle. I don't remember entirely. But basically what he went into was how this is what freedom in the context of history really looks like. It's mm-hmm. a single light in a huge, vast, dark room. Same thing with peace. And it could go out any time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And history and it would, has most of the time. Well, history would suggest that it will again. And yeah, that's the and, unfortunate reality. But this is why I say I hope you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Because that viewpoint is only changed through a whole lot more history being created. Mm-hmm. In the in the way we're starting to develop freedom, peace today, supposedly. And I, you know, I've lived long enough to think. When I was a kid, I had these ideas. Number one, that we'd be we'd be doing a podcast like this from a space station or from the moon. By the time I was this, we're age. on a space station. What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying. You never I know love what that, could happen. By the way, we are. What? So you never know what could happen. That, absolutely, but. The point is, by the time we turned, uh, we, the time we went into the 21st century, I thought we were going to be flying in cars, mm. have space stations, and all that kind of stuff going on because that was the direction. That was there's a huge emotional and scientific push in that direction, which disappeared for 50 plus years. Because aliens are on the other side of the moon, possibly. Who knows? According to the the weird ass movie I saw the other day, the moon is something else entirely. 
which would I be love fun. Moonfall? I love I I that enjoyed movie so much. Moonfall? Is yeah. that, that's what remember, it's called, right? Wait, 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 wait. It was, wait, it was stop. awesome. Remember the part where he's... Of course, anything with wait, Remember Harry the part... Watch, ha, spoiler. So. Remember the part when he's in the hotel in L.A. Yes. And just the city is yes. just destroyed around him? Yes. I was crying laughing on the plane when that happened. Because well, that was pretty much a shot from today. Well, I guess <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I guess the point that I was getting at with that whole thing is he rides up looking all cool and all of L.A. is just in shambles. The buildings are on fire. It's entirely flooded. People are screaming in the background. And the president basically, and I'm paraphrasing this, says, God damn it, Bill. We need you. And he does this. <laughs> I mean, I got to find my son. <laughs> and it's like the end of all of humanity and he's just like yeah well i gotta work out this argument disagreement over a camaro with my son and that's i right. he's in jail right now if i remember right I'm he, like he was speeding yeah that's what happened i was just I, I laughed so hard um but yeah uh back to the the space thing and the emotional appeal to go up into space that has completely disappeared because aliens yeah. are the other side of the moon right no all i'm all i'm saying is that there there was a time when I thought a lot more was going to happen than this mm. happened today. So, you know, the future is unwritten. Um, I don't know where I was going with that though. The the whole thing in the with the with Doug and everything that he was he was doing the at the conference was, I just thought that was very illustrative of the way we should really think about this moment in time. Mm. And I get frustrated to no ends by people that want to use their voices, their emotions their conflict, their silences, violence stuff, or their loud violence. I doesn't, I get so frustrated by that because they forget that our ability to even talk and be like this stems from that very small flickering flame mm -hmm. that could go out at any time by the same people that that flame gave the freedom to. Well, and I think that's what I'm getting at with the neutrality aspect is I know that maybe I'm utilizing it in a creative way, but I'm tired of broad stroke statements. I'm tired of people making these assumptions and these statements specifically in relation to one things you're mentioning and two, the relation to things uh, when it comes to neutrality as if it's unethical. I think making uh, a statement such as being neutral, uh, uh, saying that it's unethical is just as unethical as implying without any available proof that those engaging in fair mindedness are as opposed to being clearly biased is also unethical i think they're both unethical if, if you want to take that position the, the 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 supposition that you're making is an unethical supposition and you know i would consider an assumption about the ethics of those who engage in appropriate neutrality uh without context a hasty generalization because you don't know what that person is coming from you don't know what observation they have you don't know what data they have on the topic that you're discussing you don't know how well versed they are they could be more well versed on the topic than you are and it might be more intelligent to be neutral about it um now I think many individuals who make an assertion, now obviously from my research, this is my personal bias here, um, are either survivals, survivors of terrible events, so they should make statements such as that. Um, in those cases, neutrality can be seen as negative, um, as long as the context is clearly understood, or they're political activists, writers, or journalists, or grifters. And a funny thing about the unethical observation, which is very common about neutrality, is that being quote unquote unethical literally is not conforming to approved standards of social or professional behavior. That is literally what it means. So in today's world, it's unethical to be nonconformist to popular social views. The likes of Ibram X. Kennedy make the arguments of how neutrality, quote unquote, places a pivotal part in prejudice and racism. But I don't think it does. I think in that instance, it allows for people to be objective 
It allows for people to see both sides. It allows for people to understand where their fault may be and then change course, make course corrections. What, what that guy and a lot of his ilk are doing is they're trying to redefine certain things to their viewpoint. They're trying to redefine it as moral yeah. relativism. It's not moral relativism. Well, I mean, that, that's an interesting question. It truly is. There's a lot of things that are quote unquote relative. Mm-hmm. This, but the but the idea of of intentionally swinging whatever pendulum, whatever conversation we're talking about in a different manner, it's it's more about uh, repairing history in one context or another than it is about anything else, which would not be considered fair judgment. C- correct. Which is not absolutely neutrality. correct. But is it neutrality over the course of a broad spectrum of time? Or is it neutrality for today? Because that's say, the argument well, that's being made. Yes, the argument's being made is no. We've got to we've got to do all this because this happened. And it's a tit for tat argument. It. It's it's. Well, every, I agree with eye you. For an eye. I, I'm There's totally in agreement with you. But I'm just saying the the perspective of that argument is that that you have to look over a broader time period than than we'd like to today, and that things change all the time. There are things today that we don't even know about that have been changed by people 100 years ago from stuff that was really probably really good 500 years ago, but we don't even know about it today because somebody deemed that that thing, whatever that thing was, should be shunned and never happen again. Well, like the genocide of Homo erectus. I mean, where where is... Where is the... Where are we fixing that, the, the, really? The Zagnaterians. Yeah. I, I so, blew that name. Yeah, Zagnarax. 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 Yeah, Zagnarax and the Blefnagrafians. Um, um, <laughs> so I think all this, I think that the problem are a few different things. And I mentioned them. Um, I mentioned radicalization. I mentioned moral relativism. And I mentioned ethical fading. I think we should go through them because I think they all are common today. And I think they're all very problematic. Um, we're in spooky season right now. And we're... Obviously, uh, very close to my least favorite time of year, political season. The arguably least favorite, least exciting, uh, least important time of the year, in my opinion. Uh, We all know someone who has chosen to make their life about politics, their decision. And that brings me to the topic of radicalization, which I think neutrality effectively minimizes. Uh, For our listeners and viewers, radicalization is the process by which an individual or group comes to adopt increasingly radical views in opposition to a political, social, or religious status quo, per the Wikipedia. The ideas of society at large shape the outcomes of radicalization. For example, radical movements can originate from a broad social consensus against progressive changes in society or from a broad desire for change inside society. Radicalization that occurs across multiple reinforcing pathways greatly increases a group's or individual's resilience and, in turn, lethality. By compromising groups' ability to blend in with non-radical society and to participate in a modern national or international economy, radicalization serves as a kind of sociological trap that gives individuals no other place to go to satisfy their material and spiritual needs. A prime example is the last few years and the uh, you're either with us or against us nonsense. There have been a few individual recognized pathways that lead towards radicalization. The first one being personal grievance. Uh, revenge for a real or perceived harm inflicted upon oneself by an outside party. There's group grievance, which is the uh, different from personal in that the subject perceives harm inflicted on a group that they belong to or a sympathy for uh, accounts for political and ethnic uh, radical violence in which action is taken on behalf of a group at large rather than as an act of personal revenge. There's also slippery slope, um, 
which is a pathway of grad- gradual radicalization through activities that incrementally narrow the individual's social circle, narrow their mindset, in some cases desensitizing them to violence. Uh, also referred to as true believer syndrome, is a product of which one becomes increasingly serious about their political, social, and religious beliefs as a product of, quote-unquote, taking the next step. Um, love is also a pathway to radicalization, ironically enough. Uh, extremism can be developed from a tight-knit group of people who share religious, economic, social, and sexual bonds. Risk and status, so high-risk behavior, offers a pathway to status as it becomes reconstructed as bravery and commitment to the cause. There's unfreezing, which is a term that refers to a loss of social connection uh, that can open an individual to new ideas and a new identity that may include in brackets, political radicalization. Um, This has actually been shown in prison radicalization, interestingly enough. Um, Individuals who otherwise would not have been a part of certain racial, religious, or gang identity groups um, are in prison circumstances more affiliated than they otherwise would have been not being in prison. Um, And then there's also isolation, which reinforces the influence of radical thinking by allowing serious and or persuasive members of the group to disproportionately define the body's agenda. I think neutrality can effectively neuter a lot of those things, especially when it comes to being uh, fair-minded and in some ways to the quote-unquote synonym of neutrality objective to whatever the topic may be. I think the danger in a lot of ways when it comes to either political or social or cultural or any vitriolic argument is that we tend to jump on the bandwagon of something because it makes us feel good or because it fulfills a bias of something that we previously held. We don't have to do that. There's not a requirement anywhere in society that says that we should do that. And I think that radicalization also eventually moves into the areas of moral relativism and eventually into the areas of ethical fading, which we'll get to in a second. Do you think, do you think a lot of this has to do with the human aspect of wanting to belong? Because what you're talking about with almost all of these points that you just brought up is, is a pull in the direction of some kind of power structure Mm -hmm. one way or another polarized whether it's isolating somebody to the to get them to to be more radicalized in a, a different group's nature um, the slippery slope aspect the self, the grievance aspect is certainly there's very common a, a very very common i mean there's a, a million 12 step programs all for people that have gone through something in life because everybody's gone through something yeah and i, I very understandably part of the power of the social media today is that it gave voice to people that didn't know they had one. I and disagree tr- with that. Well, you can disagree, yeah, agree. but you, you're welcome to be wrong. I think they knew that they had a voice. They just never enacted within it. No, and- there, there are tons of people that believe they've gone through something personally that, mm-hmm. that is uh, unique with themselves. And then they discover that it's not, they discover that there's a group of others, many, many others that they can, you know, socialize with that understand what they've gone through. Mm-hmm. There's, there's power in that. Sure. There's a lot of power in that. So when I look at all these different types of radicaliz- radicalization, these different things that you're talking about, you know, the status, the unfreezing, the polarization, isolation, slippery slope, which I think is the number one, the polarization, slippery slope are the two that kind of jumped out at me the most. They all, they all kind of smack of the idea that, that, there is a need, a human need for people to be associative. 
And I think you're correct. The question I would have in response to that is why is it so much worse now? And the answer obviously would be social media. With that being said, it's not as if people who didn't have social media prior to that didn't have some level of influence. They didn't have some communication. I mean, the prior to social media was the public square. I think and that prior to that was the arts. And prior to that was a myriad of different things. It's like everything else. You could write a letter back when writing letters was, was normal to connect between somebody and on the East Coast and West Coast. But I think and the now you don't have to. I think the difference... You can get them on FaceTime anytime you want. I think the difference is that now we've become so ridiculously polarized that every few years, people who are relatively in the middle, we have our positions, but we're relatively in the middle and we can listen to people without losing our shit, have to be concerned about the reactionary responses from individuals who choose not to operate within that way. Well, the difference now is those who are on the opposite coin of you are always readily available, loud, and in your face because immediately. Because of social media. And I don't before, think- it was maybe a little harder to voice your um, opposition, mm, uh, at least on such a grand scale. I think it was harder so, to voice such an illogical opposition because you had to convince people. Now you can just post something and someone will listen to it and be like, well, that aligns with my bias, so this, it's true. This, this goes back a lot to what we've talked about over the course of many, many episodes about the emotional versus the logical aspect of interrelations. And I, I said a moment ago, writing a letter. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- think about the nature of that. Very intimate. Well, it's not only intimate, it's very precise. If you want to communicate your feelings onto a piece of paper that somebody won't get for a week or two weeks or whatever it is, depending on where the person is, you have to learn how to communicate in a way that most people youngsters do not know how to communicate today. They don't. And they don't have to. Yeah. Because the world they're growing up in, and you guys you guys came into this this world right at the infancy of some of this stuff, before the social media aspect, but right at the infancy of the online stuff in general, in the ability to communicate via an email. I mean, emails were barely out when you guys were, were born. So the, the, the method of communication has changed so dramatically the lack of human to human interface has been exchanged for something that is uh, self-absorbed. Certainly that certainly, but the, the method of communication does not have to be precise. It has to be emotional. Well, that's, I guess that's my, my point in the radicalization aspect of things is, and some people might not like me saying this. I think people who tend to be ultra radicalized are most of the time concerned with themselves. And I mean that across the board, whether it be in any category, positive, negative, when the thing that they are thinking about is purely only within their sphere, they tend to only be be able to relate to individuals if those people bring that particular thing up. Otherwise, they have a hard time, to your point, struggling to relate and fit in. But the funny thing about all that is it's a conscious decision. If you want to fit in with someone, you know how you do it, you ask them questions. You learn about them. Just ask simple questions so you fit in with people. And if someone doesn't receive or isn't receptive to you, then find someone else. And that's just, you know, tough. T- as as, a, as the, the frat boys say, tough teddies, bro. Like, that is literally life. Like, it, you, you can't expect everyone to like you. You can't expect everyone to agree with you. And the problem with radicalization is that it blows right by any semblance of ability to communicate. You can't sit down with someone and be neutral if, if they're being radical. Because they won't listen to you. You can say anything as logically as you want to. You can appeal to their bias. You can appeal to their emotions, but they won't listen to you on merit, 
purely because you're not a part of their group. And we talked about this with uh, Professor Joslin. It's 100% true. I, I understand what you're saying. I think it has more to do with the speed in which these these things happen yeah. than it does that they happen. I mean, the, the phrase, birds of a feather flock together, has been around for as long as I've been around, or longer, much longer, I'm sure. And that says the same thing. It's just those birds were harder to get together. Yeah. Now, the birds can flock, and they can become bigger flocks, and they can falsely identify each other as part of the same flock, and they can make a mess of things. Yeah, but they're in, and, they don't have to. And yeah, I think of course all of I think to, every single but, one of them is aware that they don't have but to. But if everyone in the echo chamber tells you you're right to each other, all of them, you begin to think you're right. Stop That's, listening to them. Well, I, I I understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm just a contrarian. That's the problem. Is I'm I'm you I'm, can be a contrarian. I'm a contrarian. You, you said a second ago, ask questions. Do, do you know how few people even know how to do that? It's, it's, it's not. So it's, well, but here's but here's the, this is where this is where I kind of I get up up in arms about this because it, it, there seems to be like we've talked about like we were talking about with the time thing and I don't know if this is just a social quirk that humans have just engaged in but there seems to be a um i don't want to say excusatory but a nature in which society has has decided to just let consistent things slide on one end so for people who are radicalized they can't connect with people they don't know how to read a book they can't search on the internet they can't better themselves they can't change they can't become better like they have so many excuses and then the people who actually would be perceived if we're going to talk about goodness I'm not saying anyone here is I'm just saying the people who would be perceived as good have all these things lent up against them that they have to fulfill in order to perceive that way it just seems very odd and i've noticed it as time goes on because we can talk about anything we talk about people who are ultra radicalized in a cult or ultra radicalized in science or ultra radicalized in one way and everyone just seems to give them every fucking excuse in the book we're all adults here like look but we're not yes age-wise we are and legally we are well, so that's maybe my maybe legally so that's my point not. but that's my point is even if they're not, society, civilian interaction, the responsibilities that we've talked about in civic duty would require you to be so 200 years ago. For some reason, it doesn't. But the, the ability to see anything, watch anything, have very few parameters on how to conduct yourself in life, mm -hmm. those don't exist like they did 50 years ago. Um, they just don't. Trust uh, me. I, I think they do. I just think people ignore them. No, they don't exist. I think people there used them. to be standards. I think there still are. No, they're not. Uh, well, there's standards, but they keep being that window we've talked yeah, about. Yeah, they're ignored. Days. Well, no, they're not ignored. Half, look, half of the stuff that that you and I think are funny today was about as radical as it could possibly. Yeah, be. Yeah, George Carlin. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, his stuff has uh, seemed as tame today. I understand. I guess so things change in that manner. I think but what ends up happening is there becomes this this idea a perspective amongst a lot of people that anything fucking goes. Well, and this bring, this goes. comes back to moral relativism. And and this segues into our next point. For those of us who are still here <laughs> listening to us ramble, uh moral relativism um 
I think is interesting when it comes to neutrality. Uh, in most ways, I believe people conflate those two things. I think people see people who are neutral as being morally relativistic, and I don't think that that's true. Um, moral relativism is the idea that there is no universal or absolute set of moral principles. Um, it's a version of morality that advocates, quote unquote, to each her own or their own, per your point a second ago. And those who follow, it's a uh, who am I to judge uh, this is from ethicswrapped.edu. Now, there are several different, several different types of moral relativism. There's descriptive moral relativism or cultural relativism that says that moral standards are culturally defined, which is generally true. Um, the ideas of honesty and respect in different cultures can be seen as a good example because those differ. Uh, there, there's some things that are some cultures that are more uh, in your face about that. There's some cultures that are a little more reserved. So there's a, there's a truth to that. Um, there's meta-ethical moral relativism, uh, which it basically states that there are no objective grounds for preferring the moral values of one cultural culture over another. Uh, societies make their moral choices based on their unique beliefs, customs, and practices. And people tend to believe that the quote-unquote right moral values are the values that exist in their own culture. And then finally, there's normative moral relativism, which is basically the idea that all societies should accept each other's differing moral values, given that there are no universal moral principles, supposedly. Uh, the ethical and theological quandaries on moral relativism aside, I don't believe neutrality fits within this mold, um, even though some might believe that. Uh, ethical actions would be, uh, you know, ethical actions would be by confronting to uh, approved societal standards, yet most of what is socially approved these days is in direct opposition to the ethical agreements of past years, per your point, um, making the decisions of society associated with descriptive moral relativism, determining that neutrality, since it is seen as unethical by a lot of groups, separate from moral relativism. Um, so I, I think that there's a lot of differentiating factors between neutrality and moral relativism, and I think that if you have a healthy understanding of what neutrality really is, I think if you operate within that, which would in turn mean that you're patient and observation, you, you observe, if you operate within those things, then you can't be a moral relativist because you understand that some things, yes, have universal truths. Some things hold within general logic and some things should be observed in context before equating whether or not it's your problem. Am I wrong? Am I hitting on too many notes here? I mean, there's no. a lot of notes being played. Yeah, exactly, but a lot of notes means there's some music in there, right? There is somewhere. I'm merely a victim podcaster. <laughs> you know, the the relativism aspect of what you're talking about is is interesting because it, it's hard to sit back and be the judge of any other ethos that's out there mm -hmm. um, without some kind of overriding standard that's understood amongst all the parties mm -hmm. that, that that's kind of the problem right you know we're, we're on uh, we can all agree that we're on this this particular planet right mm -hmm. this particular satellite as you said earlier riding along on it yeah. this pale blue dot and we can all agree with that so we can agree that you know if you jump hard enough and high enough you're not going to fly off this planet mm-hmm because there's something called gravity that's keeping us here. Supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah, there's a lot of supposedlies. But the, the, the relativistic aspect of this, the moral relative aspect of this, is decided how the history of a particular culture has grown up. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you, if you push history back far enough, it goes from as de deviated as it is now to singular 
few hundred thousand years ago. Yeah. So what is the reality? What is the true reality? The reality is you, you, you start off as something and you start to branch out as you lose location from each other. That's how it's worked. Mm-hmm. That's because our planet's big, because communication was slow, because people were writing letters instead of getting on social media. It's the same thing I was talking a minute ago. So what's happening now is you're seeing things come back, come back to some form of, of a, a more dense, thick trunk of inform- uh, where, our, where the world is more uh, singular instead of differential to each other. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to watch because does that take away individualism or not? I don't know. I think that's an entirely different different. podcast, but I do think that that's a good point because, and we've touched on that before, and I would argue, history would argue that it does. Mm -hmm. History would argue that we become more collectivist over time because of all these things, and maybe that was intent with intention, maybe. Um, Well, if we roll ahead a thousand years, if we're around, and if the world communicates the way it does now, Mm -hmm. there's always going to be, you know, pods of people that think differently, right? But, supposedly uh we if we could jump ahead in time if there is such a thing and and look at it we would all have kind of a set agreed upon pillars or standards which would make moral relativism almost obsolete exactly yeah which is interesting because the people who argue for moral relativism um are the same people who would make the arguments of you know when in rome do as the romans do yeah, true. But when it, what happens when Rome doesn't exist and the entire world is one place? There you go. And, and so the same thing with neutrality is that I think that the people who argue against neutrality utilize moral relativism as a catalyst but don't understand that they're conflating two separate things. Well, you can't be neutral then. If you, if, see, if, if, you dis, if, mm. you, if you agree that at some time in the future things come back together and there's mm-hmm. become some more universal standards because of the way we view our world... Yep. as smaller instead of larger, as less diverse, etc. More diverse to get less diverse is kind of the way it goes. If you if you believe that, then then you have to believe that it, there isn't a neutral because think, somebody's got to well, determine mm, the standards. I, I don't think that if that's... there's if there's differences right now in the cultures and how they uh, um, believe their ethics lie and their their standards lie. Yeah somebody's got to win that standard. Sure, but I don't think that that erases neutrality. I think that erases the complication of um, what would be considered non-normative existence across cultures. Only normative to those people that exist within the cultures, right? So if my normality here in America is different than somewhere else, it's non-normative to those people. But if everywhere is the same, the neutrality actually is either yeah, to but wor- does it evolved, easier to work within. But does something evolve to sameness or does something have to take critical mass in one direction or another. Because that's my point. It could be both. I mean, depending but, but on what we're talking got, about. If, if, it, if it evolves, then you can stay neutral. Because you know it's just going it, to happen but, naturally. Yeah, so wouldn't but it nobody te- believes that. But if it critically mass, if it moves, as per your point, to a critical mass, eventually it would have to evolve from whatever point no, that would be. the critical mass is determined by who's pushing a particular standard or agenda. Well, isn't that Colonialism, technically, Wasn't right? that technically a form it, of evolution, though? Technically, no, it's not no, natural. That's not, evolution implies a, a slow march toward uh, um, the survival of the fittest. Well, right? in the grand scheme but, of things. But when you would... throw in cataclysm, that can be in the long expanse of time, it can be part of it, I suppose. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. But it's more of a dramatic shift. 
a push because of some circumstances outside of the control of the the well, the question parties. to end that, though, the question I would have is, would that be considered a dramatic shift only within our perspective of present day, or would it be considered a dramatic shift in the future? Well, everything everything diminishes over time, just like we spoke about a while ago. Yeah. Right? The longer time period we look at, the more we can see the pattern. Because I'm sure the total destruction of the woolly mammoths would be seen as well, pull- non-evolutionary, but in the broad scheme of things, technically... It is. Right? Te- technically, we, the the Earth was ruled by dinosaurs for a whole lot longer than it has been by us. And then before that, and then a big meteor came along and kaboom. Well, no, right? actually, uh, seven thirty sevens full it, of thetans who dropped people possibly. into oh, volcanoes. Gosh. The volcanoes erupted, causing the Third Age, which was a part of uh, when Sauron came back into power, and uh, Samwise and Frodo had to go to the, Mount the Zagernauts. To fight the Zagronauts, and Batman was there uh, fighting um, the Hulk, who was also in a battle, a desperate battle uh, between um, the the uh, whatever his name is. Um, you know, the one guy who's a part of the same universe, clearly not a part of the same universe. Uh, the Harry Potter guy, uh, thus who must not be named. You know, Voldemort. Voldemort. The Hulk was fighting Voldemort. So obviously, this is a very historical incident in which during the Battle of 1842, uh, commonly referred to as the I'm French Revolution. I'm so glad I'm not in his um, I'm just conflating a bunch of different things. Anyway, my whole point is I do think that neutrality gets rid of, in some ways, the pitfalls of moral relativism, if you understand the differences. If you don't and you just like conflating things definitionally, you know, the, to the, each his own. The real problem with all this is ethical fading. Well, it, it's certainly fading. It's certainly fading. Mm-hmm. But again, from a historical perspective, if you're a thousand years from now, did it really it? fade or did it just change into a better form of ethos by the people that are still around a thousand years from now? Yeah. We're um, human beings. We suck. Yo, we do. dog. Yo, we bro. Terrible. Done yo, some things. Yo, yo, bro. Well, yo, dog. Dog, bro. You're the dog. dog. Yo, I'm the bull. Yo, bro. Yo, bro. We don't use those terms here. Okay. We're very positive. This is a PC podcast. Positive I apologize. cultivation I am, podcast. I'm hundred percent sure humans suck. That's really positive of you. <laughs> um, so to ethical fading, uh, to fulfill your, uh, observation, um, there are plenty of appeals to emotional arguments in today's, uh, pop culture. You can see them almost everywhere. Uh, those who do not engage in some of those, uh, some of those arguments sort of measure their own analysis in relation to the aforementioned phenomena, they tend to find themselves duped when it turns out that their quote-unquote ethical position wasn't ethical at all. Now, ethical fading occurs when the ethical aspects of a decision disappear from view. This happens when an individual or group focuses heavily on some other aspects of a decision, virtue signaling or winning or social status, uh, per ethics uh, ethicsunwrapped.edu. Uh, they tend to see what they are looking for, and if they are not looking for an ethical issue, then they miss it altogether. Uh, psychologist Anne Tenbrunsel found innate psychological tendencies often cause us to engage in self-deception, which blinds us to the ethical components of a decision. This, in turn, helps us overlook our wrongdoing. Uh, ethical fading is like moral disengagement in that it restructures reality to make an individual's actions seem less harmful than they actually are. Both help people minimize the guilt that they feel from violating ethical standards. Neutrality can assist in counteracting these positions since it should be fair and objective. Uh, taking time to observe and determine 
bias or not, can assist us in recognizing when we choose to put ethical concerns behind other factors in making our own decisions. So why does this all matter? It doesn't. <laughs> Spoiler. It doesn't matter at all. In the broad scheme of things, it doesn't at all. You know, I, there's probably another species up there watching this podcast right now. They're studying. Studying very closely. Got trillions mm. of views and on air. These are the having, three most perfect human beings yeah, with the most perfect right. thoughts and opinions. We must gather all the information people, we people. can. We Anal yes. probes oh. incoming. <laughs> we must discover yeah, where there. their energy is coming from. Well, I was going to say they're, they're up there debating with each other because they've got a prime directive and they're like, we <laughs> have we? got to get down there. We and need to interfere. They are so bad. They're so terrible. And, and one of them's going, yeah, we went down there a few hundred thousand years ago and tried to bump their genome a little bit and look what it did. To us, <laughs> you know, We all got sick and died, (laughs) got poisoned. And one saying to the other one, that's because you did that, Bruce, and nobody likes you anyway. His name is Bruce and not... (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Uh, He's an American name. Yeah, no. That's very strange. That's the American name. (laughs) (laughs) That's his name. I'm not sure why you guys are using... Nobody but the Zagernauts could figure out how to pronounce that. Maybe I'm a part of their group. Maybe... Maybe it must be known to me. Maybe I'm a plant, <laughs> like a tree, I'm just You're spreading old. my tendrils. His You're American old. name, beep, beep, boop. Bruce. Beep, boop, beep. beep, boop, spread tendrils, beep, boop. Pyramids were not <laughs> built by humans, beep, boop, beep, boop. They were planted well, here by saying, a superior everybody race. Everybody knows that. I mean, come on. Lady Liberty like, is like, actually a giant decide, robot. Who would decide to put a pyramid over in Egypt and one in South America at the same time? Multiple. They're um, microphones. For each part of the world. Or they're like little, their nipples. They're, like, they're, they're connected. <laughs> no comment. Uh, it all comes you know, back. They're not, they're not nipples. They're, they're not in that geometric shape. Too, no. okay. Agree to disagree. Um, yeah, so none of this matters okay. at all. Uh, and, and at the end of the day. I think your ethics are fading. They could be. Um, we're not that advanced. Humans are just not that advanced. We don't have the capacity to be able to be completely neutral, pull the per the bull's point. He is absolutely correct about that. Um, and we simply cannot handle a world in which we can't identify with things that provide us with emotional stimulus. With that being said, being wary of the arguments from those who choose to make hasty generalizations or appeals to emotions, especially when it comes to social, cultural, religious, and national quandaries, is a valuable thing to engage in. Doesn't mean you can't believe the things, doesn't mean you can't participate, doesn't mean you can't have a goddamn t-shirt that says, I support that thing. It just means you should take the time to actually consider what you're supporting and not just jump on the bandwagon. Uh, We're not advocating for non-position frankly we're not advocating that for that at all we're advocating for quite the opposite we're advocating for a well-measured position uh and though the use and through the use of neutral thinking fair-mindedness objectivity and plenty of discussion can be had in an atmosphere that would rather prevent discussion in the first place so that's why i believe neutrality is an important thing that we should measurably engage in and not adopt as a personality trait you have been weighed and you have been measured. And you're a duck. We're and drowning you. And you have you. been found wanting. wanting. Mm. Wrong movie. 
Yeah, that was what Bruce said when he came down the first time. You've been downwinding of justice. And Bruce, <laughs> helicopter. Yeah, well, that's we're going to end on those <laughs> references that none of the Zoomers understand, or millennials really for that matter. Well, in, in, ultimately the problem with all this is it's so hard to, with the way technology is advanced, even you guys are old in technology because you can see the, the cliff difference. And I say cliff because mm-hmm. it has been one. Mm-hmm. You can see the cliff difference between what was and what is. It and who knows me. what will be. I know. We, we don't know. When we were in high school, I mean, it, it was bad if you accidentally turned on the internet on your phone because it was about to charge like $20 a minute or something. Uh, yes, I remember those invoices, by the way. Yeah. But text. consider that. that How was many when texts we were did you school. have, Bale? How many? Mm-hmm. <laughs> those were the days when you wrote, hey. Zero. I was still operating on rotary phones. <laughs> NM, yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully this episode gave you some food for thought. Uh, obviously, this is a complicated topic, and, you know, uh, you say really that every no, time. It is. There's we make simple things topics. They're way, simple. Well, we make it more complicated than it needs to be, um, much like anything. But be good, do right. Be good to each other, bro. Um, thanks for tuning in. If you found this episode interesting, if you liked what you saw, if you liked what you heard, if you liked anything about the episode, please go ahead and leave us a comment. Leave us a like. Give us a subscription on YouTube. We have episodes weekly most of the time. And uh, yeah, we would love for you to become a part of the Wolf and Bull family, which also could maybe be Warner Brothers. I've just realized that our name has a W and a B in it. And now Wolf and Bull... Let's, might let's fight them for the it. logo. We should. You could be yeah. part of the, the Zag, Zagnots. The Zagnoraks. I cannot pronounce it. Wait, Zagnoraks. Zagnoraks. Zagnoraks and the blue Think of Ragnarok, fools. but like with Zagnorak. Zagnorak. <laughs> Zagnorak. Zagnorak. Um, but yeah, uh, that's it. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> uh, that's all, folks. That's all, folks. That's That's a WB. Yeah, well, okay. Well, that's the end. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wolf and Bull podcast with your host, the Wolf and Bull. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all of the latest from the Wolf and Bull, you can tune in via our weekly episodes available on nearly every major listening platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Wolf and Bull. You can follow us on YouTube at the Wolf and Bull podcast and at our website, thewolfandbull.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.